0: Hey friend, do you have ADHD? Maybe, maybe not. It really doesn't matter because either way, you're so welcome here. Whether it's you or someone you live with that has the squirrely brain, I'm here to help. On the show, we'll be sharing perspective shifts and hacks and systems and routines that all work for people of all ages with neurodivergent brains. I spent the last almost decade working with students as a special education teacher and navigating my own ADHD. Whether you want someone to hold space for you or you want the tactical, tangible strategies, you're in the right place. I'm going to help you learn to let it be easy, work with your unique strengths, and move from scattered to simplified. And we're doing it all with positive perspective, self-compassion, and a whole lot of God's grace. Let's do this. What's up, Buttercup? I want to share one of my favorite parenting strategies. Um, I used it as a teacher all the time, and I've been teaching it to a lot of my clients that I work with um, to help them reframe the way that they're talking to their kiddos to get less defiance and more solutions and more happiness out of everybody because nobody likes to nag their kid 20 times over the same thing again and again and again. So whether you're a teacher or a parent, this can really help you. If you've never heard of collaborative problem solving, I'm about to change your life. So Ross Green and I believe the other dude's name is John Ablin started collaborative problem solving together. They have both gone their own ways since, um, but both of their acronyms are still CPS when it comes to this. So if you want to look up anything else, um, one of the websites is called Think Kids. And I don't remember what the other one is called. Sorry to whichever one of you I just left out. But anyway, it is basically like this three-step process where we are identifying our kids' concern. And, well, they're identifying it for us. And I'm going to give you a story of like exactly what this looks like and a problem that I solved for one of my families. Because you're going to be like, oh my gosh, that's wild. But anyway, the first step is that you are listening to your kids' concern in whatever the problem is. And you are truly present, empathizing, validating their feeling in that situation, mirroring back their language to them. And you're not doing it just to do it. You are being completely present, giving them your full attention. After you have thoroughly listened to their concern and you have empathized with their concern, then you're going to share your concern. And your concern needs to be a legitimate concern, not just "why well, told you to do this and I want you to do it." No, what's the real reason behind it? I understand that a lot of parents feel like their kids should just blindly do what they say that they need to do. But if it isn't working for you at this point, can you just try this instead? Um, and also, a lot of kids with neurodiversities they need to understand why they're doing what they're doing. Some of it's just a personality thing, but some of it is honestly just the way their brain works. Like they don't have the buy-in if they don't understand the point behind it. So then you share your concern, your legitimate concern. And then you invite the child to find a solution that addresses both of your concerns. And the first couple times that you do this with your kid, you're, they probably won't really have an idea. So you can kind of help draw a solution out of them, or maybe the first few times you do it, you're the one who comes up with a solution that addresses both parties' problems. And over time, your kid is going to learn how to solve problems, which is a very important life skill. They're gonna learn how to resolve conflict, and they're also going to start to understand your concern behind things and your heart behind things, which is gonna make them question things less. So an example that happened with one of the families I work with, um, her son was staying up until like two, three o'clock in the morning playing video games. And she's like, you know, summertime's almost over. You got to get to bed. And she said for like over a week straight, it was like every single night she's telling him to go to bed. He's not going to bed. She's frustrated. She's nagging him. She's taking this. She doesn't want to like just keep taking things away from him and like being very authoritarian she doesn't want to do that she's like but he just won't go to bed and i i don't know what else to do and so i was like all right well you know let me talk to him so i asked him why he's staying up so late And at first he was just like yeah you know like i just want to play my game i'm like well i know you want to play your game but like you already got to play your game all day so there must be something really special about late at night so like why are we staying up so late to play Well, you know, like sometimes I'm laying in bed and I'm trying to sleep, but then I have an idea of like something that I want to go explore in my game. And so I just get up and explore it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I totally understand that. Sometimes I have an idea and I just want to get up and do it right then and there. Like, that makes sense. I said, but also sometimes it's just not really the best time to get up and do things. Like, just because I think about cleaning something in my house, would it make sense for me to get up in the middle of the night every single night and do that? And he kind of laughed. He's like, yeah, no. And I was like, all right. So, you know, how do you think we could make sure you don't forget that great idea, but also still make sure you're, you're getting some sleep. And he's like, "Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I could write things down. I've tried that before. And I was like, okay, well, did it work? No, not really. And I was like, okay, well then there must be something else here. I was like, why else Do you want to stay up so late? What else is going on at that time? And we finally got down to the root of it, and he told me that the people who play during those hours late at night are a lot nicer. They don't just instantly kill you in the game. They want to go explore the worlds like he does, and so he likes it better because the people who play during the day just want to win and they just kill you right away. And I was like, well, that makes so much sense. Like the people who are playing late at night are doing the kind of gameplay that you want to play. You want to go explore and you want to like make friends. You don't want to just kill people and win the game. I was like, that makes so much sense. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, does mom know that? And he's like, no. And I'm like, okay. I was like, so your concern is that you want to play with the people who want to explore and not just kill each other right away. He was like, yeah. I was like, all right. I was like, and what's mom's concern? Well, mom's concern is I'm getting enough sleep, especially because school is starting. Exactly. So what could we do that makes sure both of you guys are getting what you need in this? He didn't have an idea. And over time, I helped him come to the idea of mom's already getting up early in the morning, around 5 or 6 a.m. to get up with some babies. I said, why don't you see if mom would be willing to wake you up early? Because if you go to bed early then you could wake up early and i bet those same kind of people would still be on around 5 or 6 a.m. and he was like, yeah, probably. So i meet with him about a week later. hadn't had a single argument since. Every night when it's time to be done with the video games, he's done with the video games. And then when mom goes in to wake him up later, sometimes he gets up and plays in the morning and sometimes he just stays in bed. But it hasn't been a problem. And it's like it it's just, it's magical. It's amazing. I love this strategy because it's so good. And it helps you also just stop and think about other people's perspectives in any given situation. Cause we're going to be problem solving the rest of our lives. Like that doesn't just go away when you're no longer a kid, you know, like that's a lifelong thing. If anything, we do more problem solving as adults. Um, another example of how to use this, I have a two and a half year old and you can use this even with really young kids. It's just going to be modified. So my two and a half year old, she got into a phase where when um, we were playing blocks or something, they would fall over, which is just so age appropriate, completely typical. When they fall over, she'd get really mad and she would want to hit whoever was near her because she was just frustrated. So together we identified how she was feeling. And I was like, oh man, I was, like, I see you're hitting. You seem a little frustrated. How do you feel right now? Are you mad? Or are you sad? She goes, mad. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, it makes sense that you're mad. That's so frustrating when our blocks fall down. I said, but you know, we also have to be safe. So what else can we do when we're mad? And of course she doesn't know yet because she's two and a half. And I was like, well, if you're mad, you can clench your hands together like this. And showed her how to clench your fists. I said, "And you can go, ah! And um, I also showed her that she could, like, growl or something. And I was like, try it with me. And we practiced it together. And so then when the block would fall over, I would model it for her. And she would do that with me. And then if she did get frustrated enough that she hit or something again in that moment then i give her a chance to calm down a little bit and be like, oh, what can we do when we're mad? And she'd show me again. Or then we would practice it before we even start playing the blocks. Oh, we're about to play the blocks. What if they fall over and we get mad? What can we do? And she would model it for me. So you can modify this for really young kids too. And then as they get older, it's just gonna be like the natural language in your house. It's not gonna be something that any of you are even thinking about. It's gonna come so naturally to everybody and it's gonna solve so many problems. And make life so much breezier for everybody involved. So if you have any questions about how to use this or you want to connect with me further, go check out Instagram at created by Cheska. I'm actually going to be hosting, not hosting. I'm going to be presenting um, a full training related to like parenting kids with neurodiversities. We're going to be talking about structures and time management and routines and chores and also this collaborative problem solving piece a little bit more in depth. So if you are interested in checking out any of that, um, send me a DM and I will get you information for it. It will be in November. It will be free. Um, but the free access only has, um, 24 hour access to all of the videos in the summit. I believe there's 10 speakers. Um, so you can definitely get on there for free. And if you want lifetime access to all of it, um, plus some other bonuses, then you can look into buying the ticket. It's going to be super affordable, especially considering all the different, um, videos and trainings that are going to be on there. So I hope that this was helpful and that you are able to implement this and see some changes in your house. I just wanted to pop on and add a little something to this episode because I was very jazzed about this and I still am like collaborative problem solving is the basis of so many of my conversations and it works really well but I need you to know that this isn't just going to make everything perfect forever and ever and ever. I'm gonna have this conversation a lot with the families that I work with because, yes, we're gonna see growth, and then we're also going to see days where things go back to exactly how they used to be because that's how growth and change works. We don't just get on the up and up forever and ever and ever, and nothing is ever gonna be not great again. That isn't how it works. You're going to have ups and then there's going to be days where you're like, wow, this sucks or this is hard or your kid is not doing what you expected them to do or you're just not in the right mindset to carry out this type of parenting. And that's okay. The goal is to bring these things, these ideals into our awareness just one more time, just one more time than we used to. Okay, so if you're never doing this, it's just one time a day in one situation where you can try this out instead of yelling or instead of feeling really frustrated that your kid didn't do what you told them to do the first two or three times. Okay. Along with that, it's also a chance to give yourself and your kid a lot of grace. And it's also a chance to examine if the things that you're asking of your child are actually have any kind of legitimate reason and if they do giving them that explanation is actually really really helpful for most kids especially neurodiverse kids they want to understand the expectations and the reason for the demand they're trying to figure out the world and figure out these social cues and all of these things and so when we tell them to do something and then they ask why and you say because I told you to because I'm the parent and I said so don't ask, don't ask me why, just do it. I'm your parent. I'm your mom. I'm your dad, whatever. We're not serving them when we do that. Our job, when we are disciplining, the, the word discipline means to teach. It's not about punishment. It's not about ruling over them. It's about teaching them. What do they need to learn in this situation? If they need to go to bed and not play their video games until two or three in the morning, it's not because you said so. It's not because you're the parent and you said eight o'clock, nine o'clock, whatever is bedtime. It's because you care about them and you care about their brain health and they need sleep in order to grow and become the best version of themselves and to be a functioning human. We all need sleep. Adults need sleep and kids need even more sleep because their brain is exploding as it's learning all of these new things that's the reason why. And when we explain those reasons to them, it changes the dynamic of that conversation completely. And it also gives them a chance to take some ownership and taking care of themselves. And most things have a good reason behind it. And if it doesn't, then think about whether or not it's actually necessary. But the main point of this little add-on is just remember that anything you try, any new strategy... It's not going to work 100% of the time. Nothing does. Nothing works 100% of the time. But if it's getting you better results than whatever you're doing right now, even on the days when it doesn't feel like it's working, keep doing it. Your consistency is going to make the difference in the long haul. And like I said earlier in the episode, it just feels better to have conversations this way. It feels better for everybody involved. No one likes to be a nag and no one likes to be nagged and these conversations can pivot that kind of energy. So just wanna give that little disclaimer. Even if it doesn't feel like it's working, it probably is. Give it some time and if you see results right away, be happy about that, celebrate that, but remember there's gonna be days where it doesn't feel like it's working and that's just life. There's nothing wrong in that situation. I love you, I'm rooting for you and I hope that these help you and bless you and your kids in so many ways and I would love to hear about it if you do try out any of these strategies. Hey you, thank you so much for listening. I'm so happy to have been part of your day. If you love this episode, would you please consider sharing it on your Instagram stories and tagging me? This way I know what you're loving and what to make more of. I'll see you next week. Bye.